Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, or if you listen on Sunday nights, AM 1260 WBIX. The Business Buzz. My name is John Paul, the car doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this um, little overcast Saturday. Uh, but it's Saturday nevertheless, and I'm back in the studio, so none of this uh, broadcasting from my kitchen table. Although that went pretty well, though. Thank you, Karen. Good job. Uh, have you ever thought about, you know, a car you with, you always had your eye on, but they don't sell them here in the United States? And, uh, you know, maybe it's an antique, maybe it's just a cool collectible, you know, just kind of a fun car that you always had your eye on. Well, one of my coworkers is on the phone with us, Dave Hempy, and Dave went out and bought a Land Rover, sight unseen. So, it, Dave, to me it sounded like, uh, I remember when you said it, you said, what do you think about sending a check to somebody who you've never met before hoping a car would show up? Yeah, that's exactly what I said, John. I said, um, have you ever wired money to someone you never met before and uh, expected a car to show up three months later on a cargo ship? That was our conversation in the hallway at work one day. Yeah, it really was. And it was, um, but you did a lot of your due diligence, though, all over the Internet. And I, I, let's start with where the car came from first. The car came from Cassine AL in Italy. Um, I found it online through an international car website called Oyo. And the nice thing about Oyo is you can put in the make, model, and year of the vehicle you're looking for, and then you can search by country. Uh, Land Rover Defenders are very commonplace in Europe, not so much in the U.S. Um, between 93 and 97, they imported only 500 Land Rover Defenders into the U.S., and they're a hot commodity, selling from anywhere from $70,000 to $100,000 U.S. And you didn't pay that much? I didn't pay nearly that much. I couldn't afford to pay that much. And uh, how's your Italian? How's my Italian? Thank God for Google Translate. Otherwise, I never would have have, uh, been able to speak with my contact, Fabrizio Ardito, at Bag bag Cars in Italy. So through Google Translate, I was able to convert English to Italian. I sent the communication. They sent communication back also using Google Translate, and we were able to communicate with each other. And uh, the other thing is, how, how did you know this car dealership actually existed? Well, what happened was I did find it through the OIO website, and when it led me to the dealership, the day that I sent the first email, I also started another search for basically the Italian version of the Better Business Bureau. I found details on this company, Bag Cars. I found out they were incorporated in 1992. And I found a bunch of um, articles on newspapers, local newsprint in that area, about these two gentlemen that take older European vehicles, restore them, and then get them ready for sale throughout the world. And uh, did you use, um, like, Google Earth to see if they actually had a dealership? Yes, that's a good point. I, um, I did go to Google Earth, and when I looked at the address, I actually saw the street view. And on the street view, they had about four or five Land Rovers out front, as well as some Alfa Romeos and other vehicles. So I felt confident in doing the research and finding out about the company through the Italian Better Business Bureau. I found newspaper articles online. And then um, prior to any of this starting, two years ago when I started this wild chase, I contacted various different shipping companies because I had no idea how to import a vehicle into the U.S. 
and one of the contacts I ended up going with was the same company that Bag Cars recommended to ship the car into the U.S., and this company had imported five defenders from this particular dealership into the U.S., so that made a nice connection for me. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like it, it really kind of pulled the pieces together, but still, even though you've done all your homework, were you still a little uh, apprehensive? I was sweating bullets, to be completely honest, so I... My wife and I went out to dinner. I got her a cocktail. We sat down and talked about it. And she said, well, it sounds like you've done more research than the average person. If you feel confident, then go ahead and, and go for it. So went to the bank the next day, wired money, and uh, contacted bank cars and let them know that the wire transfer was en route. Then five excruciating days went by. The bank told me that it would be anywhere from three to seven days to get the wire transfer in, but there was no contact to the dealership over five days. I didn't even tell my wife. Mm. What happened was, after day six, when they finally got back to me, the Fabrizio had gone on holiday without telling me. And Europeans are different than Americans. When they go on holiday, they don't take their cell phones with them. They don't contact anyone. They truly go on holiday. So it all worked out in the end, but uh, it was a little nerve-wracking for those five days. Yeah, and I just recently found out that wiring money isn't like it is on... You know, you watch a movie and you see the money leave one account and magically get in the, the next account and 15 seconds later. It doesn't happen. Even even no. here, it takes a day for that to happen. Exactly. And international takes a little bit longer. I mean, there, there's receipt tracking and everything else, but you also have to sign a statement saying that you understand you're wiring money and you will not get it back. You know, you need to go after whoever you send it to if something goes wrong. So that was really nerve-wracking. And my bank makes you push the enter button. So... Although all the, everything was entered in the computer, you have to do the final say by hitting enter to get the money to go, and that was nerve-wracking as well. Yeah, and even just the idea, I, apparently in these days, people are actually intercepting the directions and, and you know slightly altering the directions a little bit on the wire transfer, you know, and all of a sudden you got this thing, it says where to send it, and all of a sudden the money doesn't really go where it's supposed to go. So it, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking. And uh, tell us a little bit more about the vehicle. It's a Defender, a gasoline or diesel? It's a 2.5 turbo diesel. When I was a kid growing up, I lived in Rhode Island and close to Block Island. Whenever we would go out to Block Island, I would always see Land Rovers out there. They're a very good beach utility vehicle. They're on the Cape. There's a lot of them on Long Island. Um, they're all over the place. But these were older Land Rovers, and I never understood why I would see them, but you wouldn't see any of the Defender models, which are kind of square-looking, yep. um, versus the regular Land Rover Discoveries, etc. So I had a 1946 Chevy pickup that I had finished restoring, and my sons, who are interested in vehicles, they came to me one day and said, you know what, Dad, we like the truck, but we don't love the truck. So I said, all right, well, what do you guys want to look at? And they, they both said they liked, uh, you know, an FJ Cruiser or maybe an old Land Rover. So when I started doing research on those two vehicles, I found out you actually couldn't have a Land Rover in the U.S., and then it made it intriguing for me. That's when I found out about the North American stock ones. They're called NAS, and that the market on those goes through the roof because there's only 500 of them in the U.S., and when they get sold, they go for $70,000. Mm. So then I found out additional information that you could actually import a vehicle that's 25 years or older with the original body, engine, transmission, it has to be in its original state. And what that does is it bypasses the laws on emissions and safety, and you're able to bring it in, but everything has to match. Then there was a really scary video on YouTube of a guy who brought in a Defender, and it's being crushed by the U.S. government because the VIN number was manipulated. 
So it really was nerve-wracking to try yeah. to figure out how to how to get this thing in. So what I did is I, just like anything else would work, I ended up making a contact at the Department of Transportation, the EPA, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, and Homeland Security, also through the state police and the DMV. So I contacted each agency saying, look, I want to bring in a defender into the U.S. as a, as a personal vehicle. Just tell me what the rules are, and I'll comply with the rules. And I have to tell you, even though they're all government agencies, every single one of them was excellent to work with. They pointed me to the law. They said, you need to make sure that you're specific as far as um, the VIN number, matching everything, mm-hmm. has to be imprinted on the, on the chassis, on the engine, et cetera. If you follow all these steps, it will not be an issue bringing into the U.S. Just make sure that nothing has been changed. Once it's in the U.S., you can do whatever you want to it. But to get it into uh, the U.S., it needs to be original. So going back to the vehicle, it's a 1990 Land Rover Defender 90, which stands for the wheelbase. They make a 90, a 110, a 130, and there's actually a 150, but that one's a, a, a very, very rare model. It's a 2.5-liter turbo, five-speed, um, full-time four-wheel drive with high-low range. doesn't have air conditioning or airbags or anything, um, but it's a fun vehicle to drive. Yeah, it's, it certainly sounds it. And... Um as you as you were looking into this, and like all used cars, you go out and you know whether you're buying a used car from you know the guy around the corner or the other side, you know the other side of the world, you have to do a little bit of, um, or you have to have a little bit of trust in it's as good as they say it is. And I've always told people, you know, before you go buy a used car, have it checked out by someone. You really couldn't do that in Italy, though, right? Having known you for more than 30 years, John, I ignored all of your advice on this one. I, I had the possibility of flying over there, over there to research the vehicle, but at the end I decided I just simply didn't have the time. So instead, although I had a nice set of dealership photos, you know, the ones showing the shiny paint and the wheels and everything else, I asked for extensive photos of the frame, the undercarriage, the transmission, um, everything, and the dealership was excellent. They sent over high-quality photos of each one. And the town uh, near the town where I live is a gentleman who was in the British military and owns a Land Rover shop. I took the photos out to his shop, reviewed them with him one by one, and he said, if this vehicle is in the condition that it shows and was in my shop today, he goes, I would definitely suggest that you buy it. And so I had a second opinion on you know, what to look for. He could tell just by the markings on the paint codes, et cetera, that everything was original on the vehicle. In this, in this particular case, it actually had um, Land Rover sourced uh, fuel filters, oil filters, et cetera. So whoever had it took really good care of it. And we found out after the fact that in my particular case, this was a farm truck. It was bought and used extensively on a farm based on the pounds of Italian dirt that I took out of the frame when it finally got into the U.S. And when you when you finally got it here, and we'll get to, you had a little bit of a hiccup on getting it here, but when you finally got it here, um, were you happy with the overall condition? Yes, I was actually very, very pleased. It was actually in better condition than I thought it was, and even the dealer said the, or my mechanics said the same thing when they had it in their shop. They said, this is phenomenal. I said, usually for the price that you paid to get this into the U.S. and for purchasing it, the frames rotted and everything else, my frame has no rust on it at all, probably because it spent its life on an arid farm with no salt on the roads or anything. It's 27 years old. So it's got some dents and some characters, like we like to call it, on the body, and the bodies are all aluminum, but the frame and the metalwork are, are perfectly intact. Yeah, so and that's a really good deal. Yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, 
people worry about when they buy a Land Rover is the bodies never rust away, but the frames do. And you see people do total frame restoration, but you didn't you didn't have that worry at all. And it, and it, and the and the little diesel engine runs great. Yeah, the little diesel engine runs great. It's got 177,000 kilometers on it, which is about 115,000 miles. My dealer, uh, the, the mechanic, said that these things will easily go 300,000 miles before you have to do anything to them. I had one mechanical breakdown since I've owned it. It was my own fault. I didn't realize, having never owned the diesel before, it has a, a, a water fuel separator. Got a little bit of water in the bottom of the uh, the separator, and you have to drain it once a month. Yep. I hadn't drained it in six months. Oh, there you so go. once I once I figured that out, uh, I'm becoming a backyard mechanic. I have the uh, the children's manual, and I've been going at it. So it's been very interesting. And the, the most amazing thing to me about this vehicle, it's so mechanical. There's no computer or anything else. And I've had older vehicles before. They're very easy to work on, but really they're designed to be in the jungle or out in the bush. And you don't have access to anything but ordinary hand tools to be able to fix something, and that's how this vehicle is designed, and that's why I love it. Yeah, no, they're, they're great vehicles, and I I have a, a press association friend that uh, I posted something about it, and he, he gave you a little bit of a hard time, but he is absolutely <laughs> in love with those vehicles, especially especially with the diesel engine. And, uh, you know, they, they just they truly have a cult following. But you were you, you mentioned that the dealer you bought it from was – Ready to uh, ready to ship it, but went on vacation, and your your truck didn't make the boat or something, right? I missed the boat, as they say. <laughs> the uh, the cheapest way to send a vehicle overseas from Europe is called row row roll on roll off, and basically you see the car carriers coming into Boston or into Quonset, large you know ten story high ships. They literally drive the cars on, they strap them down, and then two inches away is the next car. It is absolutely the cheapest way to ship. I missed that boat literally by three days. So unfortunately, I had to wait another month for a roll-on ship, or I had the option of going, putting it in a container, and the container gets loaded on a ship and comes across the Atlantic. There was another gentleman with a car and another gentleman with a motorcycle that also missed the roll-on. So Schumacher, which was the cargo transport company, um, contacted us and said, look, if you guys are willing to, fit, to split a container three ways, the price would be about the same as doing a roll-on, roll-off, and it'll get here a month faster. So it's a much safer way of shipping. So the three of us all decided to become partial owners of this container. It went into a container, and then I tracked it across the Atlantic with a, a vessel finder so you could see which ports it was going to. And what happened when they opened the container when it got to, I assume, the port in New Jersey? Um, when they opened the container in New Jersey, my vehicle was fine. They um, they had to jump start it because it hadn't been run in, in a couple of months. They got it into the U.S., and then um, the other two vehicles, one vehicle, unfortunately, did not get imported into the U.S., and the reason why it wasn't important, imported was there were modifications made that the owner should have known about. So the motorcycle made it, my truck made it, but the other one didn't. Now, did you know uh, the two out of three that yours made it right from the front, right from the beginning? No. No? When, when we were notified that there was an issue with one of the vehicles in the container, we didn't know which vehicle it was, and that was on a Friday. I had to wait till Monday to find out that my truck was okay. So that was a little nerve-wracking as well. I was going to say that. It's, it's, so <laughs> this whole experience has been, at the very end, it turned out to be a really good experience, but along the way there was a couple of places where you were really holding your breath. I was holding my breath and uh, hopeful that I had made the right decision and, you know, the regret came coming in. What did I do? I just wired money. I still don't have anything yet. It's still not in the U.S. And now I'm being notified that one of the vehicles is not going to be imported into the U.S. That was uh, 
very scary until I heard from them. Oh no, the Land Rover and the motorcycle are fine. That's all I needed. That's to all hear. you needed so, to know. So that's right, exactly. So based on this, would you do it again? I would absolutely do it again. Matter of fact, I've joined. Um, I've been part of a bunch of Land Rover groups on Facebook and forums and things like that. And I've shared my experience with other Land Rover enthusiasts that are simply looking to import one themselves without paying a middleman. There are many companies in the U.S. that are willing to do exactly what I did, but it's literally double the price of what I paid for the vehicle, and I just couldn't afford that. So, um, so I've helped them along the way. Matter of fact, a gentleman from Boston right now is um, working with my contact at Schumacher to import one. He's going um, in September of this year to buy one from Italy and to bring it back. So he has already been in contact with him. So I would definitely do it again. You know, so do you, so do you have the a, information. Yeah. Do you ever see this as a little part-time job for yourself? Uh, <laughs> sure, <yeah>. a side <laughs> job. A side job, exactly. Yeah, a side yeah. job, exactly. With my buddy Fabrizio in Italy, we, yeah. can, uh, we can bring them in and turn around and flip them. So. <laughs> you know, bring some Vespas in on the way? and Sure, yeah. why not? We'll load it right up. So. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to own the container, you might as well make sure it's you full. Might right? as well. Might as yeah. well fill it, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, I'm Dave, hoping someday to get to Europe and actually do one in person maybe and bring it back as well because I'll keep this one for a couple of years. And, you know, John, I get bored with things. Yeah. We'll have to take around, take a look around, and see what else is out there. But it was definitely interesting. So and I get more thumbs up in it when we're out driving it. Uh, uh, a guy in a Porsche 911 stopped us on the highway on day one when we were driving it back from New Jersey, and gave us a thumbs up. And the other day, my son was uh, on uh, in there against it with it, and a guy in a G wagon, a hundred fifty thousand dollar Mercedes, actually stopped and gave him a thumbs up, which I think is pretty cool. So. Yeah, no, they're they're fabulous vehicles, and just and just the whole idea, of the story that you know, story that you goes with it, uh, you know, just the just the way it all you you put it all together, just just makes it just makes it fascinating. Just uh, you know, I hope I hope you did like a little blog about it or something too. No, I didn't do a blog, but I have all my paperwork in a row, so I can you know I kept every single email. I kept pictures of the ship as it was traveling across the Atlantic and. I'm going to put together a storyline of how this thing came about because I do get asked that all the time when people see it, like, where did you get this from? You know, they think you just bought it from a dealer. Sometimes they think it's a North American one. Right. They say, oh, no, I imported this one from Italy. You know, it's a true uh, left-hand drive, you know, uh, survivor is what it is, and it hasn't been modified at all, nothing. So even the parts that I've replaced so far, I've already sourced all Land Rover parts for it and just going through it slowly. Like, it, this was a, known as a county, so it, it was set up for the rear bench seats, but the gentleman had taken them out. My rear seats just came in from England about three days ago, so I'm excited to put those in with seat belts so we can get it back to a seven passenger instead of a three passenger. So it's been uh, it's been very very interesting, very easy to work on, and uh, a really fun truck. Well, in three years, when you when you're thinking about getting rid of it, keep me in mind. I will, John. No problem at all. Hey, Dave, thanks for uh, taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us up here in Boston. Thanks for having me, John. All right, take care. Take care. Bye bye. Okay, bye now. That was Dave Hempe. He is a uh, AAA coworker. I've, like you said, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, he is uh, he is uh, one of the folks in charge of uh, the branch operations, and he specifically does a lot with all of the registry services. He's really busy right now because we're adding registry services uh, more and more here in Massachusetts. So he's really involved with that, and also 
He's doing a lot with uh, in Rhode Island. They're changing the, the registry computer system over. So where we're, we're normally uh, registry services are for members only, uh, we're actually doing some non-member registry services right now to try to take the edge off of the, the DMV in Rhode Island just so they can get so they can get what they need to do done so they can get their new computer system all in place and, and working and ready to go. Uh, if you would like to give us a call, our phone number is 617 770 why don't we why don't we take a call first and then we'll take a break john good morning good morning sir how are you i'm good how are you well i survived last weekend did you it was a it was a it was a great weekend you know i never saw so many cars before it was you were there <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, because yours was the only parking space not taken. I guard that religiously, that's, but it didn't happen. That's the parking space. As soon as you go in the, as soon as you go in the gate, right to the right, you got it. Yep. Well, if it were, luckily it was not one of the usual ninety-five degree days, or I wouldn't have survived. Mm. It was a decent day. We filled the field, and uh, <clears throat> we had a big uh, um, car corral, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it worked out very well. Good, We're good. packed with people, and everybody missed it because we didn't have much last year. No, it was uh, yeah. You you had you had sort of a rainout last year, but this year this year you did this year you did really well. Like you said, the the weather the weather wasn't a uh, hundred degrees, and it was a, a comfortable it was a comfortable day to be out, and um, you know, good turnout. And uh, did you did you s- anything show up that you absolutely didn't expect? Uh, you know, we 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 place it open to everybody. You know, and people I'm not really answering your question correctly, but uh, our show is a reflection of what people were interested in, mm-hmm. and uh, you see a lot of street rods and hot rods. If that's what people want, you don't see many forty Chevys and stuff. Uh, people don't care much about them anymore, even though I do. And uh, I didn't see anything especially uh, interesting except a few big trucks. I love big old restored trucks. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And you guys have another show coming up in the fall, right? Yes. Uh, we're having it a uh, vintage show for cars uh, pre-1950. And we're having it at Lars Anderson this year instead of Endicott. Oh, okay. And it's October 21st. And uh, we expect a good crowd for that, too. We always get 60, 70 cars. Yep. It's kind of specialized, and uh, we see cars that people don't bring out at all. Yeah, when you when you start to look at some of the now in that show, you have stuff uh, kind of brassier cars too, right? Oh, everything, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's it's kind of informal. We don't have judging and yeah. stuff like that. We just have enjoyment. Well, you know that's the thing. That's the thing about cars, and and whether you're somebody who likes a street rod, or you know, if you're if you're out on the fringe and you're a rat rod guy, or you like that perfectly restored, uh, you know, 1955 Chevy or older, you know, there. Thing about cars, especially people who have. I think people have done some of their own work to their car. They always have something in common, like Dave Hempy, who was just on. Um, you know, the idea that he always wanted one of these Land Rovers, and he, you know, found one. It's, uh, you know, 1990. He 
he worked with a dealer in Europe and got it shipped here. I think you know you talk you know you you talk to people like that, and he also has a I think a sixty five or sixty six Mustang, and like you said, he had his old truck. So he's got. It, but you talk to people like that, and it's that it's that culture that sort of brings people together, even if they're cars that are way out of my budget. You still get to talk to people about them, and and you know ex- exchange some of uh, you know some of what you like and what and what makes the cars cars fun. You'll find mostly people are uh, nice to talk with, and they're very eager to talk about their cars. And sometimes if you have the same kind of vehicle, you can learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. I always tell somebody if they're thinking about buying a particular car, maybe you know, maybe there's uh, you know the the '50 Chevy, like you said, that uh, you know, and they they certainly there's a lot of those around, but there's a lot that are good and there's a lot that might not be so good but if you can find somebody who also has one and you can learn from some of their mistakes uh hopefully you don't make the same mistake <laughs> that's right i try to be i've made many mistakes i try not to make the same mistake twice well that's how you you know if if you make a mistake that's fine if you make a mistake uh, a couple times in a row you didn't learn from the first one right <laughs> That's right. Well, although, it, you know, isn't the old joke it's called WD-40 because the first 39 times didn't work? That's good. i got to remember yeah, that. There you go. Well, John, uh, always, a, always a pleasure to learn about the show, and, you know, trust me, one of these days I'll be there. I hope I'm still yeah. around. I, well, I, I, you know, you, you, sound, you sound like you're in pretty good shape, so I think you're going to be around for a while. Thank you for uh, taking me in. All right. Okay, bye. Take care, John. Bye-bye. Uh, why don't we take a break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Uh, you're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. When we come back, we're going to do a car review about a Ford Mustang. We'll be right back. When it comes to your car, AAA is the place for everything automotive. We have services that help our members save every step of the way, from researching and buying a new car to financing, insuring, repairing, and, of course, our world-class roadside assistance, available 24-7. The AAA auto buying program is a great tool. AAA members receive guaranteed pricing on new and used vehicles and even save an average of $3,000 on their new car purchase. We even make it easy to pay for your new car by offering low-rate financing. Once your vehicle's on the road, AAA Auto Insurance protects you with excellent coverage and competitive rates. For repairs or maintenance, AAA has an extensive network of approved auto repair facilities. These approved shops offer discounts to members and guarantee their work for 24 months or 24,000 miles. And when you really need help on the road, AAA Roadside assistance is there 24 hours a day seven days a week so for everything and anything automotive go to triple a.com slash everything auto 
This is Santos Irizarry. Today, I am happy to have Mr. Stephen Hanley from the Immaculate Conception Parish School. So why don't you explain what is the Immaculate Conception Parish School and where is it located? Well, the Immaculate Conception Parish School is located in Revere, Massachusetts, from preschool ages 3 to the 8th grade. Immaculate Conception Parish School is a Christ-centered school with a Catholic education, excelling in high academics, open to a culturally diverse population in Revere and in the surrounding areas. We accept all in our school, Catholic and non-Catholic. We want to integrate Christ in the classroom, whether you're teaching English or math, and you always have to be rooted in the scriptures and know what our Lord Jesus wants. And the other part is to have the families that are sending the children to Immaculate Conception School, that the Christian values that we promote and practice will reinforce what their families need. So in the last two years, we're seeing families come also from families who recently immigrated to this country are now attending the school. If a parent wants to contact you, what should they do? Uh, They can call the school. They can call 781-284-0519. 781-284-0519. Right now through the end of July, save $70 on four select Goodyear tires at all Sullivan Tire locations. When it comes to driving, peace of mind is always important. So Sullivan Tire is offering you an additional $40 off any four tires with the purchase of our peace of mind package. And there's more. Buy three, get the fourth tire absolutely free on all Kelly brand tires. The savings are red hot this July. See SullivanTire.com. Hey, I'm Paul Sullivan. From our family to yours, have a safe and wonderful holiday. Thank you. The more our family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. W-R-O-L Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program on AM 950 W-R-O-L, The Spirit of Boston. Well, if you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. Phone lines are open. Uh... I want to talk about the car that got me here today, the Ford Mustang GT. It's an iconic muscle car from its stylish good looks to its aggressive stance to its satisfying exhaust rumble. may have rumbled a little too loud this morning when I started it up. The Ford Mustang, this Mustang GT is powered by a 5-liter V8 engine that develops 435 horsepower and 400 foot-pounds of torque. This translates into 0 to 60 miles per hour in about 4.5 seconds. Our GT convertible test car was equipped with a very easy-to-drive 6-speed manual transmission. A little heavy on the clutch for probably some people, uh, I thought it was I thought it was good. The interior is comfortable, very easy to live with. The gauges are bright and easy to read. A welcome change is Ford has put knobs and buttons back for easy control of the climate control and sound system. So you can actually reach over and spin the tuning knob and find the radio station, adjust the volume. You don't have to look at the touch screen, um, which I find annoying, distracting, and unsafe. Um the front seats are comfortable and supportive. It's a car you could spend a lot of a lot of hours on on the road. Uh, the rear seat is very tight, and with the front seats pushed back, I don't think you could put an envelope between the front seats and the rear seat. It's it's not it's not uh, good for much other than carrying cargo, which is pretty typical of of uh, two-door sports cars. On the road, this Mustang handles well while still delivering a comfortable ride. Ford managed to balance that off pretty well as far as having a uh, 
reasonably comfortable ride, but still uh, handling as well as it does. Um, the steering can be adjusted electronically to change the overall road feel, so you can go from sort of comfort to normal to sporty. Sporty is just a heavier feel. Uh, also, you can ad- adjust the traction control for wet weather. There's also a track setting. Um, there's also a line lock setting. Should you want to, should you want to invest in a tire store, you can uh, you can melt the rear tires. I haven't done that, but I suppose if you wanted to, you could. Uh, safety is addressed with a full complement of airbags on our test car, blind spot monitoring, and cross traffic alert. There are options, but that was in our car. Um, there are some blind spots, partially due to the uh, small but stylish side view mirrors, um, and just because it's a convertible, all those uh, blind spots go away when you put the top down. Um, like I said, Ford designed the traction control system to work in wet weather. So all in the time I've been driving this car, all we've had is wet weather pretty much. And uh, there was one day I did actually uh, change it over to the uh, wet snow setting just to be able to get a little bit, uh, just so that I didn't run into any problem. Fuel economy during my road test averaged about 20 miles per gallon, just a little under that, I guess. Uh, EPA says 14 city, 23 highway with this V8 engine. The Ford Mustang continues to be one of the best sports cars in the class, completely modern, with just a bit of heritage retro style to give it a uh, bit of style without being overly flamboyant. Um, our car as tested, well, the old days of a $5,000 Mustang are gone. This one in the trim it was in, $48,880. Again, powered by a V8 engine. Uh, EPA says 14 City 23 Highway does really well in crash testing. Our trivia question, of course, is going to be based on a Mustang. And um, our trivia prize is actually a kid's book. And it's called Bobby Got a Brand New Car. And um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the author's name. But uh, the idea is uh, Bobby Bobby gets a brand new car and takes his parents for a drive in the country. It's more of a picture book. Uh, It's the best day ever. This is a stylish, child-friendly celebration of the power of dreams and imagination, ideal for any child who would like to be a grown-up for a day and anyone who likes super cool cars. Um, According to the the, uh, director of children's marketing, he says this is the perfect gift for young children in any car enthusiast's life. And uh, it's called Bobby Got a Brand New Car. You can Google it wherever you want to Google it and find out more about it. Uh, One of the pages says, Bobby drives fast, dad feels unwell in the back, and mom asked Bobby to slow down. And they drive in the country. So, uh, uh, but Bobby has dreams, but his dreams include buying and driving his very own car. So our trivia question is, and you have to be sort of a Mustang enthusiast, and I know there's some of them out there, during which year were the most Mustangs produced? During which year were the most Mustangs produced? If you know the answer to that, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll send you out. Bobby got a brand new car. Ever been camping? Well... Up in uh, Kenny Bunkport, Maine, there is a new campground, and it's called Sandy Pines Campground. It's officially opened uh, near Goose Rock Beach, the seaside camping and glamping destination by uh, a 
couple of uh, hoteliers. They they or- offer resort-level amenities, uh, thoughtful service, memorable experience, rustic, nostalgic New England charm for every level of camper. Um, I just I just thought this was interesting because one of the tents, they have, like, crystal chandeliers in it. It says uh, uh, 12 uh, one-of-a-kind glamping tents created by 12 New England designers, some featuring child-friendly teepees, renovated tents and RV sites, customized park, mo- park models, which they are calling tiny homes, by the way, um, old-fashioned icicle-tricycle-serving nostalgic treats like push-ups, uh, push-pops and creamsicles, campground socials, lobster bake, uh, ice cream parties, live music. So uh, it says here that... Um, they used 12 New England designers to newly renovate tent and RV sites with full hookups. Regardless of guest-preferred accommodations, each reservation comes with ocean breezes, elevated am- amenities, infused with nostalgic New England charm. While renovating the old Salty Acres ground, uh, we aim to translate our style of our hospitality and outdoor experience. Um, so what do they have here? Uh, at the center of the experience are these uh, the grand... Uh, Lodge, which is a neighborhood hub of activity, also features a rustic general store fully stocked with essentials, including a section dedicated solely to s'mores, should you want your s'mores. Uh, Also near the Grand Lodge is a kid's camp, a kid's activity center with arts and crafts, classic board games, outdoor adventure, regularly hosted social events like lobster bake, ice cream socials, live outdoor music to ensure guests can meet their neighbors, make new friends and memories, other sandy... Pine amenities include a snack bar with old-fashioned ice cream uh, bars, park-wide Wi-Fi, rentable bikes, kayaks, stand-up paddle boards, heated saltwater pool, playground, outdoor games like giant Jenga, bocce, badminton, volleyball. Um, there are 12 safari-style glamping tents. Uh, each was created with a New England designer. Each 16 by 24 for tent, so the size of a small house, includes well-appointed sleeping and living areas. And then if you don't want that, they have their own uh, tent sites with fire pits and picnic tables and all of this sort of stuff. But uh, pretty fancy-looking uh, accommodations inside. So I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I, do you ever wonder what the most expensive car to insure was? Well, it's a Mercedes uh, S65 AMG, uh, followed by the Dodge Viper. Um, and the cheapest car to insure, according to some insurance survey thing, is the Subaru Forester. So if, I guess if you're looking for an inexpensive car to insure, uh, that's it. So our question was, apparently it's a tough question, in what year did Ford build the most Mustangs? In what year did Ford build the most Mustangs? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617 770 770 3030. Nearly 9 out of 10 Americans want automakers to raise fuel efficiency, according to a latest consumer union survey. Fuel economy remains the top vehicle attribute that has the most room for improvement, according to a nationally uh, representative survey by uh, the American Consumers Union Policy Mobil- Mobilization Division of Consumer Reports. Even as gas prices remain low, consumers want to decrease spending on fuel, while nearly 9 in 10 consumers agree that automakers should continue to improve fuel, 
efficiency for all vehicles. Only 30% of Americans believe automakers care about lowering fuel costs for their customers. Customers see the value in fuel efficiency and the technology more than pays for itself through fuel savings, according to the spokesperson for Consumers Union. So some of the key findings were 87% agree automakers should continue to improve fuel economy. Why wouldn't 100% agree about that? Uh, 73% government should uh, should be setting higher standards for fuel efficiency. 79% agree it's important to make larger vehicles, including SUVs, more fuel efficient. 79% uh, agree that increasing fuel economy from real-world average of 25 miles per gallon today to 40 miles per gallon in 2025 is a worthwhile goal. And less than a third of customers, 30%, agree automakers care about lowering fuel costs for their customers. I think gas, better fuel economy is good. Let's talk to George. Hey, George. George? Yes, I'd like to take a stab at the trivia question. Uh, Absolutely. I'm going to guess 1966. You would be absolutely correct with 607,568 Mustangs built that year. They've They've never sold that many. Yeah. In fact, I think that's a record for uh, for all cars. I believe it's a record for all cars, and in fact, it's a record for you know. Think think about some of the uh, some of the smaller car companies. They'd be happy to sell six hundred thousand of everything they made, let alone six hundred thousand of Correct. one particular car. Yeah, no, that's a that's a huge huge number. So, um, so what we'll do is we'll do you have a do you have a use for a children's book? Do you have somebody you can give it to? Yeah. Yes, I do. My nephew's two and a half years old, and he loves playing with little cars, so I'm sure he'll love it. I'm sure he will. So I'll tell you what. Stay right there, and Karen will get your name and address down, and we will uh, we will send you out a book. Thank you. All right. Thanks, George. Stay right there. Yeah. So, so Karen's, Karen's doing a little bit of work, and she'll take care of that. Uh, some other interesting facts about the Ford Mustang. Uh, in 1983, the Ford Mustang GT was the first model to have a 2.3-liter turbo 4 under the hood, um, costlier and slower than the heavy-drinking V8. The GT was a slow seller. There's no big surprise. Uh, in in um, 1992, they only sold um, 79,000 cars. It was the slowest for production. Uh, the... Um, the first time the Mustang name was actually used was an odd two-seat concept that was made by Ford in 1962. It was powered by a V4 engine utilizing a complex tubular frame. The Mustang uh, didn't really go anywhere, but the name certainly um, certainly headed out that way. And um, the um, again, in, uh, the year they sold the least amount of Mustangs was in 1992, and just wasn't a good name for them and it's sort of it's sort of funny the uh, you know the year that they only saw they only came with a four-cylinder engine that sort of mustang 2 um was just a terrible car it really was our phone number is 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 if you want to give us a call if you have a question about your car maybe something that's on your mind you can give us a call and we will We'll try to help you the best we can. Why don't we take another break? Karen's ready. I'm ready. Karen's ready. I'm ready. We're all ready. Let's take a break. My name's John Paul. This is Car Doctor Program. If you would like to call us, 
770-3030. We'll be right back. Mustang Sally. Right now through the end of July, save $70 on four select Goodyear tires at all Sullivan Tire locations. When it comes to driving, peace of mind is always important. So Sullivan Tire is offering you an additional $40 off any four tires with the purchase of our peace of mind package. And there's more. Buy three, get the fourth tire absolutely free on all Kelly brand tires. The savings are red hot this July. See SullivanTire.com. Hey, I'm Paul Sullivan. From our family to yours, have a safe and wonderful holiday. Thank you. This is Santos Irizarry. Today, I am happy to have Mr. Stephen Hanley from the Immaculate Conception Parish School. So why don't you explain what is the Immaculate Conception Parish School and where is it located? Well, the Immaculate Conception Parish School is located in Revere, Massachusetts, from preschool ages 3 to the 8th grade. Immaculate Conception Parish School is a Christ-centered school with a Catholic education, excelling in high academics, open to a culturally diverse population in Revere and in the surrounding areas. We accept all in our school, Catholic and non-Catholic. We want to integrate Christ in the classroom, whether you're teaching English or math, and you always have to be rooted in the scriptures and know what our Lord Jesus wants. And the other part is to have the families that are sending the children to Immaculate Conception School, that the Christian values that we promote and practice will reinforce what their families need. So in the last two years, we're seeing families come also from families who recently immigrated to this country are now attending the school. If a parent wants to contact you, what should they do? Uh, they can call the school. They can call 781-284-0519. 781-284-0519. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-930-5104. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-930-5104. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-930-5104. 1-800-930-5104. Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal Opportunity Lender. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Yeah, 
Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Austin. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Lines, we have a couple lines open, but first let's talk to Carol. Hey, Carol. Hi. Uh, you're talking about Mustangs, and uh, I have a question on my Mustang, just a, just a coincidence there. Uh, okay. I traded, I traded my 2000 Mustang convertible red with a white top and white leather interior. I hated to do it, but it was getting old. Mm -hmm. I traded it in for 2008, uh, white with a red bottom stripe and um, black leather interior and black top. It looks really nice. I bet. It's a special edition, a special, uh, I think it's Susan Coleman uh, Warriors in Pink edition. They only made 124 of them nationwide. And I love the car. It's been great so far, but uh, I had it by months, and I noticed the rear, both of the rear side marker lights don't work. And I said, wow, that, I said, you know, maybe ship in Marlboro. Yep. And I said, wow, why, why would both of them be out at the same time? And I did notice it because I didn't drive it much at night. Right. And uh, I don't know if it came from a dealership like that or if it just something happened. I don't know. And I don't have a circuit diagram, so I don't know if it's on a fuse. Both of them be on the same fuse. So uh, just trying to see what you would think would be the first thing to check. Well, I would. I would. I guess there, as as silly as it sounds, the first thing I do is make sure there's actually bulbs in there. You know. Okay. Um. Uh, because it, you know, it is it is supposed to have a lamp in there, and it is um, it is just powered by by the um, by the the regular wire wiring. There's there's nothing there's nothing you know kind of out of the ordinary as far as I think the wiring that goes to that is pretty straightforward. I don't I don't know I don't know that there's uh, much in there other than you know I'd pull it I'd I'd th- those um, I think the uh, side marker light covers themselves i don't even know if they have screws in them they may just they may just pop pop off, pop off. yeah so you know like press it the press it yeah yeah so they have like a little tab on the inside so you'd use like a you know really thin like screwdriver blade and separate the the uh the marker lamp from uh the, with a bumper cover where it sits and you know i'd see i'd see what's going on in there i mean it's possible that maybe at one point uh, maybe the bumper got tapped or something, and you know who? No, there's no damage no, back there. No. But you know it, that's part of the inspection, right? They always check that for the inspection. Well, right? they sh- well they're supposed to make sure all the lights work. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but that's you know, it's puzzling me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I I would start off. You know, I would start off without thinking anything's horrible. I would just think, oh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the bulbs, maybe the bulbs are just. You know, went bad over time, and you know it's time. You know, it, it is uh, it is nine years old, so you know maybe a couple of bulbs back there wouldn't be you know uh, out of out of line. Also, a little bit of corrosion in the socket could be part of the problem. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I you know, I don't think you're going to find um, that the um, that the way it's wired is anything you know anything out of the ordinary. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think I think it's. Um, I think it's just uh you know wired off the same circuit as as the um as the taillights. So I don't think there's anything there that's you know again there's one one fuse for that whole circuit? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Right. So I don't like I said. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna see anything that that really looks, you know, anything that would surprise you. Uh, like I said, I'd start by seeing, you know, it, and it could be one of those things when they also uh, went to uh, inspect it. They may have looked at it and said, no, maybe these are just reflectors and not even lights. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking, too. Yeah. I said, maybe, I wonder if it just has reflectors on it, but they haven't done that since, like, 67 or no, 68. When no, they have no there's, there's, an actual, there's, an actual, there's an actual bulb in there, and there's, uh, there's, power, there's power that goes to it. But, again, it's nothing... It's it's nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, again, it, it's um, it's it's power just like every other every other turn signal stoplight circuit back there. So nothing I, nothing I'd really okay. worry about. It does it it shares a ground with um, with the whole uh, with all with the stoplight circuits and all of that. So if all okay. of those lights are working, you know the grounds are good. So it's either there's power going to it or if there isn't. And if really, yeah. yeah, and other than that, I can test the power. I've got a, I've got a light to test yep. the power. Yep. Um, but I, I was just saying, but strange that both of them went out. I said, why were both going out at the same time? That's kind of weird. Well, you know? you know, you know, think about it. Think about it a little bit about how long you know bulbs all have sort of the same length of time they're going to last so oh yeah the hours yeah, hours that yeah, they last yeah. yeah so what very well could have happened is it was um nothing nothing more than you know one bulb went out and a you know a couple of days later the other bulb went out and nobody nobody noticed it one way or the other so yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you make me feel better about it. I, like it's probably just something minor. Yeah. So I, I thank you for that. Yeah, because it, it actually uses, you know, the whole electrical system on that uses a whole smart board that makes it all work. But if everything else is working, I wouldn't suspect any kind of electrical issue. If you had if you had half the lights are out, then I'd think there was some kind of problem. But a couple of a couple of marker lights in the back, I'm I'm thinking it's nothing more than bad bulbs. Okay, good. I'm going to use it today, so I'm going to check that out. But so thank you very much. Well, you should be able to use it today. You know, it does. It's it's the first day in like four days it hasn't rained. So, <laughs> right, and it's always fun with the top down. That's exactly. For sure. Okay, Carol. All right, thank you. you. All Bye. right, you take care. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Well, it seems as if Tesla built their first Model Three. At least they showed a picture of it. I don't know if they actually they claim they built it, but to, but to uh, prepare for the Model 3's launch this month, uh, Tesla is relying on an unorthodox strategy to keep service up to speed, sending the text to uh, the owner. In February, Tesla said in its uh, fourth quarter earnings release that it would expand its mobile repair service to handle the addition of the third nameplate this year and production increases to 500,000 vehicles a year starting next year. Other automakers had offered such services as luxury extras, but Tesla is relying on its program to fill the gaps of slow-growing service center. Well, I don't know if the quality of Tesla has been as good as they'd like you to tell it is, you know, but since uh, they claim more than 80% of their repairs are so minor they can be done remotely, we're expanding our mobile repair service and allows Tesla to make repairs at an owner's home or office. Um, uh, you know, it says 80% of their repairs are so minor they can be done remotely. Brakes? Well, they can't re- do those remotely. You know, there's some other things they can't do remotely. Are you thinking about buying a new Ram 1500 truck? Well, if you are, 
apparently there's going to be a longer wheelbase one. The next generation pickup carries uh, what they call the DT body code. It'll be revealed in January at the auto show. Uh, but they're building this longer version, so longer wheelbase, bigger vehicle, kind of a mini monster truck. Well, it is really that big, but it's a, a bigger vehicle. I don't know. How much bigger do pickup trucks need to be? 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Mike. Michael. Morning, John. How are you? Good, good. So thank you. And yourself? I'm good. Good. I just wanted to talk to you about some things that you talked about in the last couple of shows. Uh, first of all, I will say that I did go to the car show at the end of Carter State, and it was packed not only with the cars, but with people, and it was just a gorgeous day, so it really was nice. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to mention uh, a couple of shows have talked about Honda's Accords and the battery issue going dead, and with the Honda recall, you know, on the Accords with some sort of a, a controller for the battery, I was wondering... Might there be any connection with that, you know, because I think the gentleman had an Accord, and the new Accords are being recalled, and I just was wondering if there may be a connection with that that you might be able to, you know, link those two together and say, gee, you know, it's happening now with these, maybe there's something with the older ones, too. So um, it, very well, it very well could be. Um, uh, you know, it, it, really, it really depends, although I still wonder whether some of these problems are they're just putting they're just not putting enough battery in some of these cars today um yeah you know so um you know whether i think the i think the one that came out recently was that the one that said the cars could catch on fire uh, yes, yeah, I know there was yeah. <laughs> there was a talk about that. The batteries are just going dead in the older ones, and you, you suggested uh, getting a stronger battery, saying yeah. um, you know to be able to, to to hold a charge longer. But yeah, this one, I guess, yeah, that's a little <laughs> a little more serious. But I didn't know if there may be something somehow remotely related or yeah, or I, not. Yeah, I mean, the battery sensor could be partially the problem. Um, it you know what I remember reading about it says the battery sensor, um, I guess isn't sealed properly, and then it says you know rolled salt and other junk could get into the sensor and uh, eventually cause the electrical uh, system to short out, or at least the wiring going to the sensor to short out. And uh, you know the only way that, the way they're fixing it, I think they're buying they're buying up all of that. Um, What's that? What's that spray? You, you know, you can cut a boat in half and tape it back together. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got him there. Yeah. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think they got that guy there, and he's just spraying the sensors <laughs> with that stuff. And but but that's all they're really that's all they're really doing. They're actually they're actually putting like a silicone adhesive over where the sensor is just to try to continue to make it more waterproof. So seal it off. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to mention you you talked last week about checking oil. Um, warming the car up a little bit and then checking it versus cold overnight first thing before you start the engine. Mm -hmm. Can you, is there an advantage to one over the other? Is there something that one will give you a better reading? Obviously that's, because, you know, you come from don't start the car, check the oil. Yep. And, you know, I used to work at a gas station and people come in and, you you know, that's the days when you check yeah, the oil. Yeah, yeah you, and, uh, you burn your hands. Yeah, you check yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they say, oh, well, there's probably still some more on on the top right. up there, so don't add me, you know, yeah. one of those deals. They didn't want yeah. to spend the money. Yeah. 
No, it's it really it really depends on the the vehicle manufacturer. A lot of vehicle manufacturers actually actually really recommend start up the engine, let it warm up a little bit, let the oil circulate, shut it off, let it sit for a little bit of time, and a little bit of time is you know a minute or so, and then and then you know pull the dipstick, check the oil, and, and see how it is. Uh, have I been known to go out to a car first thing in the morning before I start it, pull the dipstick just to see what the oil level is? Absolutely, but I think. When I do that, if I saw it was down a quart, I'd probably suspect that, uh, you know, because all the oil has drained out of the engine into the crankcase at that point, that if you probably, if, if, the, if the idea was you should check the engine while the oil was a little bit warm, um, it's probably down a little bit more than that. But that's one of the reasons why all the manufacturers now have sort of put that crosshatch on the dipstick so they just sort of call it a safe zone rather than you know if, if it's between the top mark and the bottom mark they say well it's safe well that's because too many people are overfilling adding too much oil and you know it, it in some of these cars if you add you know you drive around with a quart more oil in the car than you're supposed to you can cause some seal you know some seals to um, at least get a little bit weak if not you know some rear main seals to start to leak so um, I still think I still think the best the the easiest way is to do it while the engine's cold because you you know you haven't done anything but the best way to do it is to um, let the engine run for you know a little bit so it's warm you know warmed up a little bit shut it off let it sit for a minute and then check the oil um, you, that way you have a little bit of oil coating the surfaces where they need to be coated but you're really checking this you're really at that point you know how much oil's in the crankcase. Okay, and, and if I may, finally, you mentioned vinyl wraps in, in something you were talking about. Do you have you had any experience with vinyl wrapping cars, and in, in if so, um, my experience? Not, not, well, I shouldn't say that. We vinyl wrapped our van at work, um, and the, and, but we did it with graphics. You know, we wanted to have, you know, we wanted to have a, this whole graphics uh, package on the outside of We wrapped the entire van except for the top of the roof, and... It looked good for a while, but after three or four years, it starts to wear, it starts to get dull, it starts to crack, and especially the flat surfaces. So, for instance, if you had a, and I'm looking out the window here, I don't know, a, a, a Toyota RAV4 and it's gray, and you wanted to wrap it in red so it looked, so you weren't painting it, you just wanted to make it look different, um, it would look good for a while. But then after a while, it doesn't look good anymore. And all of, the, all of the wraps are designed to be hand-washed only. So you have to be a little bit careful of that. Now, different than um, clear, you know, clear wrapping, which, you know, some people on especially sports cars and, well, any car, I guess, if you wanted to, you can get a clear wrap kit where it's sort of a, a paint protection kit. And you you put those on. They there a lot of them come pre-cut. In fact, uh, uh, I think it's unique. And I might have that wrong. Guy up in the North Shore is uh, one of the distributors for a, a product called Expel, and it's a clear wrap. And I and 
they are, you know, people are starting to do them in colors. But the clear, the clear wrap paint protectors, I think, do pretty well. And over the years, they've gotten thinner and stronger. The first ones that like 3M used to do, um, it was pretty thick, and it looked like you took scotch tape and wrapped it all around your car. But the new ones, you know, they're not invisible. But they're pretty good, and they do protect the paint. What was interesting about our van, and our van was wrapped for, from 07, I think we got rid of it just last year. So it was wrapped for that entire period of time. Um, the windows, we had to rewrap a couple of times because they're sort of um, they're sort of opaque, so you can see through them. But they still, they still have the images on the outside. Those, over time, the little holes in it that would allow you to look out uh, kind of get trapped with dirt. and they, they just, You just couldn't see good out of it. But when we took all the wrap off, we actually you know, peeled all the wrap off. And what was amazing was the paint looked brand new afterwards. Okay, because that was kind of what I was thinking. You know, does, that, does it do anything in terms of, you know... Uh, against the paint itself, or does it preserve it to the point where it's, you know, you've got a car that's sort of trapped in time, and you unwrap it, and there it is back when it first got wrapped. So. No, that, that's it. I was surprised, and, and the other thing was we had a little bit of body work done to it once when it was fairly new, and I was a little interested in, A, how good the body work was done and how good they did with the paint match, and because they painted it and then just wrapped it right away afterwards. And I was even curious, did they even really paint it? Because it was, you know, just being covered over with the wrap. Um, when we peeled it all off and literally peeled it all off, I mean, you have to you have to go out there with a heat gun and have a lot of patience. And it takes, uh, you know, probably took three or four hours to peel all the wrap off. But once it was completely peeled off, the paint looked remarkably good. It really looked like, because it had never been waxed, um, it still looked shiny. It looked like brand new paint and it didn't have a single, you know, car wash scratch on it. Uh, the body itself, it, it was remarkable how good it looked. And, you know, whoever bought that as a used car, although it, you know, it was a 10 year old used car, the body, the body on it, uh, at least the outside surfaces of it looked really good. So it really did sort of preserve it in time. So it did. So no compromise to the paint once it pulled off and it, and it was kept. None at all. In- None at all. John, you mentioned the clear. That they're, Do they do the whole car in the clear? Cause, or, is it just, or is it something like when you go to the new car dealers and they say, you know, you should get this for the front of the hood? Yeah, yeah it's, that- usually, they do the, usually they do the hood and the fenders, you know, places that would suffer stone chips. Okay. Because, oh, all right. Yeah, because today's paint, um, today's paint isn't as strong as it used to be because it's a lot more environmentally friendly. And because of that, it isn't. It doesn't have the same resistance to you know gravel abrasion and stones and all the junk that's on the road. So you see a lot more little stone chips and things. And um, you know, it's not it's not inexpensive to do. But if you want to try to preserve the original paint on your vehicle, um, it's it's a it's a good way to go. And you know, a lot of times it's you know uh, sports cars and you know if you you know your Corvette or your Porsche or whatever. But I'm you know I you know looking back, I'm like when my wife's Volkswagen was brand new. It's like you know maybe I should have maybe I should have thought about doing that. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's just one of those kinds of things. You know, you see it on on TV, or you'll uh, you know go to the dealerships and they're and they're really pushing. I understand that's for profit margin, but you know, if it's something that does the preservation, the only thing I was thinking is the clear. Um, 
might that give an issue if it shed happened to come off of there? Would the paint be different from <laughs> from the, the line to one side to the other? You it, know what I mean? It, but, it's it's possible, but I you know I haven't done it myself, but I I've seen the clear come off, and somebody just take a buffing wheel afterwards, and you know clean up the whole car and you'd never know it was on there so i i didn't it didn't look like it faded the paint you know one you know i thought about that too is it going to act like a little magnifying glass and is it actually going to like fade the paint a little bit differently than the rest of it no what i saw didn't didn't make any difference at all that's great well john i I appreciate all the good information you've given thanks to karen and you appreciate it all right thank you you do as well Let's, let's take one more call let's before take one we more take call a break. Let's go to uh, Tom in Kingston. Hi, Tom. Tom? Hello. Hi. Hey. Sorry about that. That's all right. Not paying attention as usual. Uh, well. You know how that goes. A uh, couple questions for you. Oh, first, a comment. You talk about the Mustang, the Mustang Two. Mm-hmm. Was that a little small, boxy? Mustang well, back then? It was, uh, it was, it was the, the, only, the only claim to fame the Mustang Two ever had was... Farrah Fawcett drove it in Charlie's Angels. It just really didn't look like a Mustang at that time. No, I think. it was a it, it was a Pinto. Okay. Yeah. Think well, it's it, funny. I was going to say that. Yeah. Think think Pinto. That's what. It yes. Really, that's what it really was. And at one it point, very chintzy and very yeah, yeah, yeah. was made very well. Yeah. At one point, they actually did squeeze a little V eight in there, but um, but it was it was it was not it was not a good car, and that was very tinny. Very tinny. It was. It yes. Was, okay. It was a, it was a Pinto. I know my sister-in-law's uh, girlfriend had one. She thought she was all that, and then some. Was she Farrah Fawcett? No, far uh, from it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if she was, then she is all that. Question about ABS. Yes. Uh, during the winter time, seems like the ABS came on a lot, and so you know, I'd make an appointment to bring it down. Nothing urgent, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it'll go away. Does dirt and sediment and salt and stuff like that build up on it, would that affect it at all? Yeah, it can actually. What can happen is there's a, at at every place that something turns, like an axle shaft turns, there's actually a tone wheel. Think of it as kind of a gear. And okay. the gear sits opposite a sensor. And the sensor needs to be a certain distance between the tone wheel and the sensor. And if dirt and especially rust buildup in there, it kind of screws up the magnetic impulses that the sensor is looking for. Well, so, now let me stop you for the rust building up where? In, on that sensor wheel, because it's, it's external. It's, it, in on some, the wheel yeah, itself or yeah, on the sensor? Yeah, it's, it's actually builds up, it builds up on the, on the sensor wheel. And in fact, if you got under a car with, uh, say, a front-wheel drive car, to make sure. it easy, got under okay. a car and you looked at the, where the axle shaft comes through the hub, you would notice that there's a, that there's a um, little toothed wheel that's at the end of the axle shaft just right. before it goes just before it goes into the hub and that tooth where that tooth wheel is there's a sensor so between where the sensor is and the tooth wheel sometimes the wheel will pick up rust so it it tries to and I'm making up this number but that sensor tries to read 32 little humps and if okay. all of a sudden one of those little humps is clogged up with dirt and rust and junk all of a sudden now it thinks that the wheel stopped for a second, which could be enough to activate the ABS. Mm, okay. So, in, in fact, some... before, I mean, they're so easy to replace, yep. you know, unplug and just take yep. out the one yep. bolt and stuff. Yep. Yeah, in some, in some cases what you see is you'll see a, um, 
an ABS problem, and, it'll, and there'll be a couple teeth broken off that little wheel. Um, other times you'll see, you know, other other weird things that can that can sh- that can show up. Um, some of the GM ones you saw, there was like a trail of rust that went right from the top of the sensor right to the wheel. And if you if you got in there and cleaned it all up, all of a sudden now the ABS problem would go away. In those vehicles, the ABS was activating at low speeds, like you know five, six, seven miles an hour. You'd you'd start to come to a stop, and you the ABS would click on and off, on and off, because it actually thought that the wheels were locking up, and it was trying to lock and release, lock and release. So, mm, okay. That thing, AAA was in the news just a week or so ago, wasn't it? I forgot what it was about. I don't know. Shoot. So that's one of the things I was going to bring up. It's like, oh, AAA was in there for some reason or other. Well, we, I mean, we had a couple bad things we were in there for. We had one of our drivers in Miami get shot and killed. Oh. Who went out to a, go do a road service call. And in Connecticut, we had... Um, one of our trucks get hit at about 60 miles an hour out on the highway. And it was the Connecticut thing. Yeah, yes. yeah, and both. So and, sad. Yeah, and that's why we, um, that's why we really, we've been really doing a big push for this whole, like, slow down, move over stuff to get people to just get in the habit so you don't even think about it. You see somebody working by the side of the road, you just either slow down or change lanes. And, um, you know, the, the one, guy, one guy was badly hurt. The other guy was more badly hurt. Um, you know, so yeah, so we're just, you know, we try to tell people if, you know, you see a, you see a, you know, EMS, police, whatever the case is by the side of the road, you know, slow down, move over, let them, let them do their job. The, the other reason we're in the news, um, just recently is, um, we did a little study of, um, of, uh, the, uh, transponders that people have in their car to go through the toll booths. And we okay. found, and we found out in some states, if you buy the transponder in, New York, for instance, yeah, uh, and you're going over the, and I'm making up this number, but you're going over the George Washington Bridge. It's sure. eight dollars if you have a transponder. If you bought that same transponder in Massachusetts, it's fifteen dollars. So the rate, the rate is based on where you bought the transponder from. And I was talking to somebody, uh, a reporter. And that is true. And that is true. Yeah, absolutely true. I was talking to a reporter who lives up in New Hampshire, and there's a little bit of a difference between going through like the uh, the uh, the Hampton tolls with a mass transponder and going through the Hampton tolls with a New Hampshire transponder to the point where this reporter says I have one of each, depending on where I'm going to go. If I have to go to Boston, and drive around and go through the tolls out on the Mass Pike. I use my Massachusetts transponder. If I'm up here in New Hampshire, I use my New Hampshire transponder. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so. My brother-in-law does a lot of traveling up and down the East Coast. It might be an option for him. Yeah, yeah, and and the other how much he goes up there. Yeah, and the other thing. Pennsylvania. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, some of the transponders, you know, they they, uh, don't work, you know, they work up here in the Northeast pretty well, but when you get down to Florida, you need the Florida transponder. And they, they supposedly don't even work when you get down there, so. So you go through the toll booth and you're in trouble. And you get a ticket. That's hmm. interesting. Yeah. 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 Now, if I take my transponder, I'm, I'm getting different feedbacks from different people, and I use mom and dad's car to go to New York because we're going to have them come with us to a wedding in September. Mm-hmm. So if I take my transponder and put it in their car and go through, am I in trouble? You're not in trouble, but it may not. Uh, I don't. I'll admit I don't fully understand it either. When you have okay, a tra- when you have a trans- I don't feel so bad. yeah when you have a transponder, you're supposed to register it to the car. 
Right. So in other words, two and vehicles. They, and, yeah, yeah. They, and they give you, I think they can let you register up to five. Um, so you go online and you put in the license plate number. But then I've been told that even if you don't do that, in fact, it was somebody here at the radio station one day, they borrowed somebody's car, they put their transponder in it, they went to New York, and they and the, and the person got a ticket for, you know, a toll evasion. And what was interesting was the guy who, who, put, who borrowed the car and put the transponder in it said, yeah, but the money came out of my transponder account. Oh. So the money came out of his account, and the other guy got a ticket. So what they had to do was they had to show that, you know, the transponder was used on this day, the same time the ticket got used, and then they waived the ticket. But it was a real pain to be able to do that. So, sure. um, you know, that you know where I get to drive a press car from time to time, I always, yeah. thought, I always thought, well, you know, I should have a transponder. But until they make the transponders just, you know, not so connected to the car, um, you know, I can't, you know, you can't. You can't go and put, you know, seven cars in there. They only let you put, you know, five, and then you have to delete some. And, you know, the idea of thinking about doing that, um, you know, just makes it awkward. So, Especially when I use my parents just one time. Right. Go to New York, so right. up and back. Yeah, on, in, that, in, in that case, what I would do, though, I would just go online, put their plate number in just so it's in there so there's no issue. Well, it's good to know about the different states. I yeah. think it was like universal. No, you would think if the toll says it's five dollars, it's five dollars. But no, the in some states, if you have the transponder, you get a reduced rate. In some states, if you don't, if you have the transponder, and uh, you could be charged a premium, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. I have I I have a a chart at work I need to study because I think uh, Channel Seven wants to talk to me sometime next week about it. So I need to do a little homework. So that means you're going to do like 45 minutes of things, and they're going to show a 30-second thing? Yeah, if it's 30 seconds, I'll be lucky. <laughs> hey, listen, enjoy the beautiful All right. day. All right. summer we're having. We'll talk soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Do we need to take another break? No, why don't we take that break? 617-770-3030 is our number. We will be right back. The Pharisees believed religion would get them to heaven. What about you? Here's Dr. Michael Youssef. If meticulousness in rituals and an observing of the rituals will get people to heaven, these Pharisees will make it hands down. But that's not what Jesus said. Because to please God, you have to have righteousness that no one, but no one, but no one can possibly have or accomplish by himself or by herself. The first step of having this required righteousness, that righteousness which exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes and the law professors and the religious leaders of Jesus' day. The first step is what we discovered in the Master's Manifesto long time ago, and it is to declare spiritual bankruptcy. Want to hear more? Join us each day for Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. 
The world's silver supply is vanishing at an alarming rate. 90% of the silver available at the turn of the century is already gone. Silver is an essential component in nearly every industry and is of strategic importance to every country on Earth. At American Bullion, we see a tremendous opportunity in owning silver today. Experts are calling it the next silver super cycle, projecting the price to double or more from its recent lows. During the last silver super cycle, prices increased by 500%. Plus, silver comes with built-in protection against a stock market crash, global uncertainty, Certainty in currency devaluation, so it's a great choice as part of your retirement account. Any IRA or old 401k can be easily converted into an IRA that holds physical silver. The entire process is quick, simple, and secure because American Bullion specializes in converting existing retirement accounts into silver, and it's 100% tax-free. Call 800-445-4546 now to receive our free silver investment kit. 800-445-4546. That's 800-445-4546. Celebrating 50 years of Irish on WROL, Irish 950. Hi, hello, my name is Mary Hagan. My maiden name was Burke and my mother's name was O'Malley and we are from St. Mark's. I'm actually from Braintree now, but always from Dorchester. Grew up in all the parishes there and, and apartments. My father was from Mayo, County Mayo. My mother is from Galway, Mokana. And I have an identical twin sister and a brother, John. So proud to be Irish and first generation to this country. So I appreciate all the Gaelic songs that you've been playing. Just fond memories, you know. Every Saturday, and I'm glad it's on Sundays. Both my mother and father have passed, and it's a major loss, so it's good to have these memories. Swananish, and got him a hug it, and Brahma Cree. To share your memories and stories of what WROL Irish 950 has meant to you over the years, call us at 617-691-2534. Our phone lines are open 24-7, so call us anytime, 617-691-2534. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program. Let's get to Tony real quick. He's been on hold for a long time. Tony. Morning, John Paul. How are you? I had a question on uh, inspections, car inspections. I heard that uh, they're going to uh, put cameras in. On I heard on the radio the other day there that the uh, station's going to have like five cameras and they're going to check on the inspections. And the guy at the inspection told me he said they they might even uh, go up to sixty five, seventy dollars for the sticker. Did you hear anything about this? Well, I haven't heard anything about the price. Uh, the equipment costs have not gone up. And the Registry of Motor Vehicles and the EPA and DEP and all those people say that they assume the inspection is only going to take another minute or two. Um, the uh, you know they're, you're, they're basically you know if you if you have an inspection station you're going to throw away your machine and buy a new one. It didn't sound outrageously expensive to stay in the program. Um, you know there is cost involved with it. It's they went. What bothers me a little bit is the program they're going to do in Massachusetts has never been done anywhere else in the country. The handheld they're, they're going to take a, a, a handheld scanner unit, plug it into your car, and then that I guess has been used in Canada. But the and I, I don't remember exactly all the details. But the bench it plugs into is used in California, 
and then some other part of it is used someplace else. But it's the first time they've put all three of these pieces together in one unit. But what's going to happen is the shop is either going to have three or four cameras in it, and they're going to be mounted around the inspection bay. And then there's going to be a handheld camera that you um, that you go over and you take a picture of the vehicle identification number and the mileage. And you take those pictures, you put it back into the cradle, it downloads the information automatically and deletes it right away. And so that's how that part of it gets done. I said, who watches the cameras? And nobody does unless they suspect there's a problem. So if it's an inspection garage that bangs out a sticker every six minutes, then they're going to go online, they're going to watch and see if the inspection's getting done properly or not. So what it really does is it kind of forces everyone to do a good, legitimate inspection. Um, you know, whether that really happens or not, I don't know. I, it, uh, but I haven't heard about any price increases. Well, I heard that, you know, he was saying the, the inspector was saying that they're going to use a camera to read the odometer. Right. They use uh, yep. one for rust. I guess the same one to to check the yeah. body for well, rust on the vehicle. Well, well, and you know, there's not supposed to be rust through under the body. So the idea is, if you see a a hole, you know, the inspection rules haven't changed. The same right. rules that we've had for as long as we've had. So if there's a hole, if there's a hole in the body that can let exhaust up into the interior of the car, or there's a hole in the floor that can let, you know, or something structural, the frames rotted out. You know, those are things that you should be checking for anyway. And the idea is if you see a problem, you can take pictures of it and document it. But really the camera is designed mostly um, to, yeah, document failure, but also take a picture of the VIN number and the speedometer. I was wondering if they're going to change anything like on the ABS light or the tire light, pressure light. Not, not, not yet. I mean, the one thing they did change a couple of years ago, they changed the airbag light to say that if the airbag light's on, you, you, it's a fail. But Massachusetts is, uh, uh, you know, ABS light is on or uh, TPMS is on. It's not a fail. In Rhode Island, for instance, it is, though. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, everybody has their own little own little rules. Hey, Tony, we got to get going. Uh, the very hey. best in Irish music's coming up. So stay tuned. A lot. All right. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Bye-bye. So there's Paul Sullivan sitting right over there. Right there, just in in real life. Hey, I'm using the microphone you used to use all the time. I know. Well, I, I, I'm going to sound as good as you. Uh, I, I could only wish to sound as good as you. What a, what a nice thing to say. Not true, but thank it you. Is, is. I love your uh, Mustang, by the way. Oh, that one out there? Yeah. The blue one? Yeah. yeah. It's, it is, it's pretty. Yep. It matches your shirt. You want it? It does match my yeah. shirt, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Give it to you if you want it. No, no, it's, not mine. it's not mine. No, yeah. I know. Yeah. Claire asked me on the way in. Claire drove me in today, so she asked me on the way in if uh, because you were talking about the car you had. So does John have a different car every week? And I said, not every week, but periodically. Periodically. Yeah. Periodically. Yeah. Periodically. In case my boss is listening once yeah. or twice a year. No, uh, it's more yeah. than that. Yeah. I love the one the time you had the $90,000 car. I wouldn't even get in that. I'd, I'd be afraid I'd do something to it. Yeah, the, the most expensive car I've ever driven, I think, is a... Uh, I think I drove a Rolls Royce for a day. That was stupid. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was like the. It was the price of a very nice house. You're right. Yeah. 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 It's like the same reason I don't pick up a, a young baby because I know I'm going to do something bad to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. trust myself. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm more the uh, you know 
Toyota Camry type. Don't mm-hmm. you know? And the other thing is, I've noticed if you drive a very expensive car, especially well, any very expensive car, mm-hmm. most people think you're a jerk. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's a there is a different attitude that people have when you're driving an expensive car. Hmm. People like would scream at you for no reason, like you know, oh, I stopped at the stop sign for a minute. And they're like, you know, you know, there's something wrong because you stopped. Or you is know. it is it just abject jealousy? Is that what it is? Well, I th- I think so. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway. how can you afford that? I can't. Yeah. We need car equity in this country. Yeah, we do. We? we do. Yeah. 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 Speaking of equity. Yeah. Uh, Irish music coming up. I, I, I don't get your parallel. I don't either, I don't either but I was just trying to finish oh. off with a... I'll, I'll play a song yeah. that has the word equity, equity in the yeah, lyrics yeah, some, that, at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, coming up next. Nice segue. Yeah, no. Appreciate that. <laughs> a nice segue is uh, a thing with two wheels at back. Right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Hey, the very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Just to see again